I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often in hours. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join as their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one-day rule on its head and offer back-to-back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code DATABLE and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. The Dateable Podcast is an insider's look into modern dating that the Huffington Post calls one of the top 10 podcasts about love and sex. On each episode, we'll talk to real daters about everything from sex parties to sex droughts, date fails to diaper fetishes, and first moves to first loves. I'm your host, Yue Xu, former dating coach turned dating sociologist. You'll also hear from my co-host and producer, Julie Krafchick, as we explore this crazy dateable world. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Dateable, a show all about modern dating. What an, a fascinating week it's been with a lot of states opening up, like fully opening up. Apparently LA went from zero to 60 overnight. Like I have friends who work at gyms there and last week they were being told to stay home, probably won't open for a while. And overnight they got the notice that they were going back to work. Wow, I just, I feel like San Francisco is kind of still slow moving compared to other places. Yes, yeah. I've also seen like people post on like Instagram and stuff and like people are hanging out in people's homes a lot. Like I've seen it like from a few people in New York and I just feel like we're still not there yet. At least you and I aren't there. I don't know about everyone. I don't want to speak for everyone, but it was really nice to see you this week. That was really fun. Yes. 
For anybody who <laughs> followed us on Instagram, we, Julie and I finally had a reunion after like three months of not seeing each other. We stayed six feet apart. We wore a mask. We were outside at a park, super careful. I guess there were a lot of people out, but it still felt somewhat safe. Oh, I, yeah. I was comfortable. I feel like we weren't really near anyone outside of the people we were with. No, I guess it just depends on your tolerance level, but... Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. That that was fine with me. I'm okay no, with that. It was, it was super nice seeing you. I feel like it, it feels like it was like a month ago, and it was like a couple days ago. I don't know why time is going I so know. fast, right? Fast and slow at <laughs> so the same time. Weird. Yeah, it's like a time warp. This also has been a really fascinating week because we had so many interesting discussions in our Facebook group. One of them was this idea of race preference difference mm. in your dating profile and is that considered racism and the drastic difference between the gay apps dating apps and the hetero dating apps and how uh, the profiles of these gay dating apps are really in the negative of like I don't date this race right but then when you look at the profiles of hetero apps it's in the positive I guess quote-unquote positive it's I only date mm. this race basically they're saying the same thing in a way exactly but it's presented in a different way and it just it still blows my mind that there's just such a huge difference between uh, between the two different kinds of apps totally it was so fun though doing our facebook happy hour this thursday yes. so it was yes. a really good way to kind of get these conversations out in as one of our members said it makes the group even more fun because now you know these people and you're starting to like build a virtual friendship with everyone i was thinking about it too it's like pre-covid19 I don't know, there were so many opportunities just to meet new people, right? Mm -hmm. And there's something really beautiful about meeting new people. And that doesn't need to be in a dating context. That could just be friends or whoever. There's something about it that when you're always with your friends, like family and significant others, it's great. But you tend to talk about the same things a lot. Yep. And there's something about being with new people that really just like one flexes your social muscles that you like sometimes mm -hmm. can get really complacent with if you're not meeting people enough. And then also it just it opens you up to just new ideas. And I think that's mm -hmm. been really fantastic with the Facebook group because that's been a void. And I personally just really get a lot of energy out of meeting new people. And I do think like, I don't think everything needs to translate to dating, but if you are someone that is looking to date, meeting new people, even in a platonic sense, really just like helps one, make you more interesting and well-rounded. And then two, also just makes you a lot more comfortable to just approach and have conversations on dates too. It helps you try a little bit harder too, because with new people, you can't just be super comfortable. Right. You got to get to know them, ask them questions. I just can't believe our happy hour started at 5.30 and it ended at like 2 a.m. for some people. Yeah, some people that were on Easter time were like doing the after after parties. So yeah, if you're looking for something <laughs> fun to do on a Thursday, we're going to keep having them every Thursday. We had great hosts. We'll be rotating the hosts. So yeah, get on that Facebook group. I think it was also fun just like hearing from other people and their dating experiences. Like I shared in the room I was in and I've also shared this with you, UA, but it's like one of those things that I'm kind of just back now navigating dating in a COVID-19 era. And I've been having like mixed feelings about it. Like I actually, I don't think I told you this yet, but I actually ended up canceling the date that I was supposed to do on Friday night. Mm. You mean again? Again, I told you when we met up that I've been literally 
my myself and the date just keep rescheduling on each other. And I think it's one of those things that we did a phone call. It went like relatively well. You know, we talked a lot about like Black Lives Matter was like in the midst of like everything happening. So I was like, I can't really read it like as a date, but it was nice to like see other people's just perceptions of, you know, life and what's been going on. And that's really important for dating. And then he had asked to like move it to um, meet up in person. And I was a little hesitant, not because of him, just because of everything happening. I was like, okay, what if we do a video date next? So we decided on that. And then I just... I don't know what it was. Like, I don't know if it's video fatigue because I'm like on video call so much for work and stuff or that I'm not like fully ready to date right now still because like I ended something like in May. So it hasn't been that long or that I'm not excited about this person. I just can't pinpoint like what it actually is. But yeah, needless to say, we both kind of kept playing like rescheduling (laughs) roulette essentially. And yeah, I just... Friday came and I was like, the last thing I want to do is get on this date. <laughs> well, I, as I told you when I saw you is it doesn't really matter what the reason is. You're still not excited to meet up with him, whether virtually or in person. And my general rule of thumb is you always want to be in a situation where you set up the other person for success, not for failure. So if you're in a bad mood, you had a bad day, you're not excited, then don't go on the date because they're they're They've already failed before they even got on the date. So I think it's good that you've rescheduled and canceled. It's better because it you didn't put him in a situation where he would definitely fail. Yeah, and I didn't make him come all the way out here, to, you know. Yeah. But it, it did remind yeah, me of our episode that we have this week, which is such a good one. It's a little longer than our normal, like, interview style. So definitely recommend, though, you make it through the end. Like, we didn't want to edit it too much because it was just such good material. And you can always pause and come back. So two walks instead of one. Think about it that way. Two for the price of one, right? Exactly. But I think there was, like, a lot of just interesting things. We talked to Minji this week about just how, like, being alone after a breakup and how do you navigate, like, really loving yourself and dating yourself first before just getting back out there. And I think a lot of that I started to think about with this situation too. It's like, I talked about this in the episode, but the same ex that I've had the second time, I had like this earth shattering breakup. So I don't want it to be that way again. Like, and I think I've bounced back completely different this time, but at the same time, I also don't want to just like push it if I'm not super excited to be dating people again. And you, you had a really good point there. It's like, if you're not excited, what's the point? Yeah. And we should set up our guests a little bit more. This is Minji. She, uh, she's a friend of Julie's from a while ago, yep. right? You've known her for a while. Uh, but her situation was something that I, I've heard a lot of people be in a similar situation, which is she had been in, she's like a serial monogamous, been in relationships and was in a long-term relationship and broke up several months before quarantine hit. Obviously, she didn't know quarantine and COVID was about to happen. And all of a sudden, she had all this all this alone time, or like really, really alone. And in this episode, we talk about what it feels like to be truly single. Because mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, like if, if we're not in quarantine, you could say you're technically single, but you're still going on dates, you're getting in and out of things. But in a dedicated time where you're just completely by yourself and being very single and vulnerable, what does that feel like? And what are the conversations you've been having with yourself? So this conversation, that's why it's a little bit longer because there's a lot of conversations you you should be having with with yourself. (laughs) 
but I want to rewind a little bit back because I have a surprise for you, Julie. I want to rewind Ooh. back to our Facebook happy hour <laughs> because it's it all goes hand in hand. Uh, in one of the rooms we played, would you, uh, what would you rather? Would you rather? Wait, would you rather? Would you rather? <laughs> let's, let's take the really long route. What would you rather do? Um, would you rather? And there were a couple scenarios that were presented that I thought, okay, I'm going to ask Julie because you weren't in that room. I want to ask you. Um, I thought of three different questions okay. than what we posed in the room. This is the shit that we we talked about, okay, like during our happy hour, which was so interesting. So I have three scenarios, okay? First one is, would you rather date someone who only had friends of the opposite sex Ooh. or had no friends at all? Um, I'd rather date someone with friends of the opposite sex. No friends at all is Why? a red flag to me. Like there's just like a relation, like can't hold down any sort of relationship. Oh, okay. Okay. I think I would say the same thing. Like you need someone who has human connection. And if they have no friends, it probably means they probably can't even hold down a relationship. Let me actually clarify. Do they not have friends because they like recently moved to a city and they don't have like (laughs) friends at all? Or is it like they don't have friends at all? Because I think that's different too, right? Well, for purposes of this question, they just have no friends at all. But I love it. You're like diving deep. Tell me more about your timeline of when you lost your friends. Well, you know what? With would you rather, you always have to justify your answer. And I would justify my answer if that person just, you know, hadn't fully acclimated somewhere new. Mm, Okay. All right. All right. Giving people benefit of the doubt. Here's your second scenario. Would you rather date someone who slept with your best friend or... Who hates your best friend? Hates your best friend. Why? I, I don't think I could unsee it. Like, I guess. <laughs> well, why were you seeing it? No, in the first, you know what I mean? Like, place, anytime huh? you meet a couple, you always think of like them ha- having sex, don't you? Like, I always like. <laughs> like, no. Wait. <laughs> People need to watch me on video right now because I'm <laughs> like, uh, no, I don't. Wait, can you just rewind, repeat that? I don't that. think of it vividly. I'm not like imagining them like naked, but I just think, oh, these two people have sex, right? Like it's just something that I think of because they're a couple. I don't know. It's just something I, like okay. I always just make that association. So if it was my best friend in this person, I would just be like, oh my God, they had sex. Like I would just always think about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. What would you pick? I, I can, I can kind of see that. See, the thing is, if they hate my best friend, how can we all hang out? That's a good point. How can, that's a good point. How can this relationship be sustainable? Okay, that's a good point. And I guess the question is, did they hook up a long, long time ago? <laughs> Here we go with the timeline. Wait, tell me more. So was this I'm trying to find a loophole. I'm trying to or, find a loophole. Or 10 years ago <laughs> yeah, that they slept together. If it together. was like long before me, you know, okay, that's why if it wasn't, I'm going back to my original question because, yeah, you're right. If they hated them, I still wouldn't be able to, like, hang out with them. But Mm. if I would hate both of them if they, like, hooked up while we were dating. So it's almost irrelevant. I'd rather, like, try to bring them together than just not even have that option. See, I'm also thinking, like, this has never happened to me. But in an ideal world, I'm thinking... If they slept together and are still amicable, then that must be really good, right? Like they don't hate each other. <laughs> I love how you spun that right now. I love it. I love it. <laughs> okay, third and final scenario. We've talked about this before, but I just want to have it on record. Would you rather have a series of short, passionate relationships lasting a year or two or one long-term stable 
but rather boring and complacent relationship? Oh, you know, this is tough. So I think a past self of mine would definitely have said the former of just like a bunch of passionate relationships. The future self of wanting something that is like a more stable, lifelong partner is kind of leaning to that. I guess I know I'm like not supposed to do this in this game, but it comes (laughs) down to like how boring is it? You know, is it like you're... I guess, okay, if we're going to play the extreme of this game and it's super boring and I'd literally rather be by myself than with this person, then I would go for the string of short-term relationships. It's just somewhat boring, not like super boring. You don't want to like gouge your eyes out. Somewhat boring is still not a good situation though. It's like, I, I, you know, like I am someone too that I've always enjoyed being in relationships when I am, but I'm also perfectly content being single. So therefore, I'm not like the type of person that will like find a boyfriend or significant other just to have a boyfriend. So I I think I'm going to go with the original. I'm going like full circle here, but I'm going to go back with the short string. Short, passionate relationships. See, my brain just goes to a long, boring, stable relationship and then get them to listen to Dateable (laughs) and then it'll get better. (laughs) You you can't change people. But dateable can. I love it. You're just like, go in that room, <laughs> listen to me on headphones, and then we won't talk. And I'll just do my own thing anyways. I, I, I would just have a playlist for him. Here's oh where you God. start. Season two, episode seven. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the other thing too, UA, I got UA on this binge this weekend of Love oh Life. <laughs> what did you do this weekend? I watched Love Life nonstop. I've... <laughs> Oh my gosh, I'm so sleep deprived at this point. This is why I asked for this call to be earlier today because I'm hoping to go to bed by like nine. Have you had a wild weekend of love life on demand? So uh, wild. This all started, this was Friday, right? Wow. Yeah, um, you messaged really? me at like 2.30. 2 a.m. Like, <laughs> I just finished. But I think it, the reason why I bring it up is one, I think everyone should watch it because it was a really well done show. It's on HBO Max. Anna Kendrick. Yep. Yes. Anna Kendrick. It's called Love Life. HBO Max has seven days free. <laughs> That's Get why you got to binge it all in one night <laughs> if you're really trying to optimize your spending here, right? <laughs> but I think the reason why I bring it up is it actually very much reminded me of our episode that we have today because it's like, like she basically just high level, don't want to give too much away. It chronicles her just through different life stages. And it really starts off like every episode is around like a guy in her life. And then or a person. Well, at the beginning, it's a guy. And then I guess where I'm trying to go is that eventually it becomes more about herself and her friends Mm. and her mom and other relationships. And that's when you see like a noticeable shift in just like how she carries on her romantic relationships when she's comfortable with herself and happy with herself and has built a life for herself and isn't necessarily relying on someone else. And at the beginning, Mm. like it shows, um, again, not going to give away too much, but like some bad relationships just because she's not at at one with herself. Mm. So yeah, it reminded me of this episode. And I personally loved like thinking about my own, like who would be casted in my different episodes? Like, I don't know. I think everyone kind of like thinks about their own life through that lens. So I got to say thank you for turning me on to that because I've been watching three or four very similar shows. They're kind of the same demographic, same storyline, same structure. But what really drew me to this show and actually watch it from episode one to ten in one night <laughs> is because it was it didn't have the... I don't even know how to describe this, but in Sex and the City, you always wanted her to end up with 
a guy, right. right? You get excited when a guy comes into her life. Everybody gets excited. It's about the guy. But throughout this show, she even narrates that the narrator, not her, but the narrator even says it's not about the guy. And she they would throw out the name of the guy and say it's not actually about him. It's about how she is evolving mm-hmm. through these people in her life. So even though she comes in and out of relationships, you're not like excited when the guy comes in or when excited when he's like kicked out. It's you're more excited to see her growth and how she changes throughout the years. It's it's extremely relatable and profound. Totally. And I think you and I had a little differing opinion on this, but I actually think <laughs> that it was really nice that it was a really diverse cast. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> the leading lady was white and that's where you and I differ a little. But okay, if you think about most TV shows, it's like all white people all black people like like what there's like one show of asian people like you know it's like not really very diverse at all and i've noticed this on like a couple other shows like uh four weddings and a funeral that show on um oh Hulu. yeah like uh-huh. they've also been doing this that they've just had much more of diverse like friend groups like more love interests like i don't know i think it's a it's a step forward i think that tv shows really it need is. to do this type of stuff hey i'm all for diversity i just don't love affirmative action when it comes comes to casting is they seem like they're typecast and they're like the token, right? And so the other show I've been watching in conjunction with Love Life is called The Bold Type on Hulu. It also features a lesbian black female character. And it's like, okay, it's is that the only diversity they can bring onto maybe that's like the formula now. It doesn't matter. You're right. There is progress being made. What I like though is that the characters didn't follow like stereotypes. Like, yes, they found, yes. like, a black lesbian. They were trying to, like, capture a bunch of diversity in one character. But, yes. out, like, out, it wasn't like they played into, like, the tropes that we've heard about from our past mm-hmm. guests. So I think that piece is a huge step forward, that they're giving people individualistic ways of just being a character and not just fitting a stereotype. But if you do get a chance, definitely check out the show and let us know what you think. I would love to discuss the show with more people. And it re- it's really related to our episode today. It's about the evolution of dating yourself. And what are the learnings that you can come out of this quarantine and get back out into the world? Like, what can you really apply? So here are my predictions for how single people will come out of quarantine. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Mm, Okay. I think a lot of single people will be extremely, uh, maybe not extreme. No, I want to make this statement. A lot of single people will be much more experimental in their dating. That could be sexually. That could also be, well, within reason. That could also be how they meet people, how they interact with people, and how they carry conversations. They have thrown the old date review questions out the window and said, I've decided that I can find a deeper and better connection through this set of questions. So the prediction is the world will be not as predictable when it comes to dating. Your dates won't be that predictable anymore. I love it. And I hate the date review. I think that has been one of the best revelations on this podcast. So the episode, if anyone missed it, is when UA went on a date with Andrew way back, way way back. back. I think it was like season two or three. And the date review was just one of those terms that stuck. And I agree with you. I think people will also be more open with race. 
just mm-hmm. because it's such in the moment right now. And I think people are really going to second guess their interactions and the way they view it. I know personally, I look through the apps that still had it as a preference. And I know a lot of apps are even getting rid of it as a preference and made sure that it was changed to open to all. So I think that people in general will start to be much more um, open that way too. I think my other prediction is that there are a lot of people, I think, that have done the self-work. I think there is a group that has, and there's probably a group that hasn't, but I think the people that have done the self-work, kind of similar to what you said, but like they're going to really just break through the clutter. Like they're going to be able to identify those people that are looking for that quarantine buster, you know, like someone just have sex with really quick or the person that like is not really there for like a deep and meaningful relationship pending that's what they wanted. Or maybe they'll come out empowered and be like, actually, a relationship isn't what I'm looking for right now. I think people are just going to have a lot more clarity and really sift through the BS a bit more. Love it. Can't wait to see that happen. Let's do a couple of announcements just really quick. Thank you all for leaving the ratings and reviews has seriously helped so much. So if you could drop us a five-star rating, that would be exceptionally appreciative. And if you're so inclined to leave us a one or two liner review, it really, really helps us continue to grow and bring this podcast to you and get you great guests. So definitely want to call that out. And then just the other quick announcement on my side, podcast we did with Minji on her podcast is also live. Mm -hmm. So you're hearing the one that we did with her on our podcast. You can hear us on her podcast. So there's just so much love and podcast to go around. So check that out at First of All Podcast. We uh, talk about totally different topics, by the way. So it's not a repeat conversation at all on her podcast. And this past week, we were on two other podcasts. One was Kinda Dating and the other one was 51 First Dates. Still polar opposite (laughs) conversations on all of those. It's so great to talk to other dating podcasters because we have similar yet very different experiences. And it's always fun to hear different perspectives too. So check out those podcasts. And if you love us, if you love Minji, if you love 50, 51 first dates, if you love kind of dating, tell a friend, you know, like this is a gift you can give to them right now. That friend in need or that friend who can really <laughs> use these conversations to help them get through something, gift them with this gift of podcasts called Dateable. <laughs> and speaking of podcasts, you know, we're a part of the Frolic Network and there are a ton of other wonderful podcasts on there as well. They're not just dating or relationship related. So here's one for you all to check out. I'm Sarah Wendell from Smart Podcast Trashy Books, part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Smart Podcast is a weekly show that focuses on romance fiction, the nifty folks who read it and write it, and always on what we're reading and recommending and want to tell you about. We could be an expensive podcast to listen to, but we promise great book recommendations and conversations every week. You can find new episodes every Friday, and you can find Smart Podcast Trashy Books on your favorite podcast app. All right, and now let's get to our conversation with Minji. When we first started this podcast, I have a confession. I really thought that any topics or discussions around dating had to involve you dating. And I never really thought about talking about dating when you're single or alone or lonely. It just felt like dating needed to involve other people in the story. But 
our guest today will prove us wrong. And actually, I think previous episodes have proved us wrong that dating is really about dating yourself as well. That's, you know, that's really most of that journey. So we got Minji here. She is uh, currently living in Los Angeles. She's been there for six years, but she is originally from the Yay area. She's 34, pretty single, and has been taking a dating sabbatical and also actively going on dates, you know, on and off. <laughs> Virtually. <laughs> Virtually. <laughs> so what's interesting about Minji's story is that she recently broke up with a long-term boyfriend that she lived with for two years about six months ago. She's been learning how to be alone and independent again and navigating the single life in her 30s during a time of COVID-19. I mean, it's like so many different layers. And then on top of it all, it's COVID-19 quarantine. So she's been thinking about her identity, future marriage, self-love, family, etc., and starting to explore dating again, but through a new lens and wanting to support others grappling with all of the above. She is also the host of the podcast, first of all. So hi, Minji. How are you? Hi, I'm doing as wonderful as a human being <laughs> in the United <laughs> States during quarantine can be doing. So Hanging in there. <laughs> we were... Just joking around. What was uh, we were talking about the meme that you saw, Julie? Oh yeah, you just about repeat how it. <laughs> it was like 2013. All you had to do is Netflix and chill, and then 2020, it's like you gotta survive a pandemic, be in like the demise of capitalism, and just mm -hmm. like this entire revolution that we're Cultural in right now. So yeah. yeah, shit got real in 2020. That's for sure. Shit got real. It puts everything in perspective. All that shit that we dealt with last year oh, yeah. really was nothing. I yeah. mean, that literally is nothing. It means nothing anymore. And everything we're dealing with this year, this is the real stuff. This is the stuff that will affect our future and impact our lives forever. But this is also a time that everyone's trying to deal with self-identity, dealing mm -hmm. with what do I really want in life? Mm -hmm. What do I want in love? What is this journey I'm on? If I'm truly in control of my life, what does that really mean? And am I making the right decisions. So let's start with you claiming that you're like a serial monogamous even before your last boyfriend. What has been your relationship experience up until this last one? That is uh, to be written and created into many shows, books, and <laughs> 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 um, certainly been evaluating all of that in the last six months for sure. But I, in the nutshell, I think the best way to summarize it is the whole serial monogamous terminology that has been thrown around for quite some time. Actually, like in the grand scheme of things, not that long. I feel like it's a pretty new, like in our lifetimes, at least, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know how many people in my parents in our parents' generation use serial monogamous. Well, that's because everyone was a serial monogamous exactly. then, and now no one is. So that's right. why it's a term. <laughs> Agreed. So my friends and I have talked about my dating life ad nauseum. I'm very fortunate to have some lifelong girlfriends who've been there, you know, since the beginning. But I, the joke is that you know that I came out of the womb just boy crazy, probably like shy in front of the doctor, like that's. A <laughs> Because I just I've been crushing on boys as far back as I can remember and like kind of the hopeless romantic like always wanting to find the Prince Charming Disney princess the whole shebang. But if I'm doing if I'm doing the calculations correctly if you broke up with this long term relationship uh, this boyfriend six months ago this is the longest you've been single for right. Technically so the so what I would say is well, I'm 34 now. 
the the breakup before this boyfriend, the last serious boyfriend, there was a couple years of being. Oh, okay. I mean, okay, actually, so I'll, I'll, I'll label a single was like, I didn't have a boyfriend. I didn't have a serious boyfriend between the end of 2014 to the end of 2017. So three okay. years of like, I dated casually, but never, did not have a, a monogamous, like serious, you were my boyfriend, introducing mm. you to my friends and family situation for three years. That was the longest. But there were I men would... in your rotation, though. There, there were men in the rotation. <laughs> in the funnel. <laughs> in the man funnel. That's why I'm exhausted, you guys. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've thought about that before, and I'm like, oh, I was single in this period. But I'm like, wait, there were people in that period. You know, it's like, it's exactly. not. And there's only been like one time, at least in my life, that I was like dead single, technically, because I was was like getting over a heartbreak so that's where it was but I was not actively talking to anyone I think everyone when they're dating they're either going into something or getting out of something yeah mm -hmm. I really think it's it, everyone's on a path in or out it's really rare to be completely single I think I've only been single completely single for like two or three months of my life too where it's like not talking to anybody exactly so if that is the case then then it must mean that after a few years of being quote unquote single, and then you mm -hmm. finally meet this man and you guys enter, enter into a relationship, it must be significant because it is because you're bouncing back from a couple years of not having a boyfriend yeah. and then having this breakup. So let's, let's revisit the breakup if we can mm -hmm. walk us through what happened and why it happened. Woo. How much Ooh. time do we have? <laughs> um, well, it's just, yeah, I mean, it's been six months, so I've had a lot of time to process it. Technically, it was mutual, I suppose. There was just a lot of, um, this is no disrespect to my ex. I, I think he's a wonderful human being. It was just a, a signifier of where we were at as two individuals. I think there was a lot of love and a lot of passion and friendship, but there was also a lot of codependency, mm. I think, at the end of the day. It's easy to muddle all of those. <laughs> um, and when you're still figuring out who you are as an individual, it's easy to kind of like, put your project your stuff onto somebody else or like avoid dealing with your own stuff. So as much as like there were so many really wonderful things about that relationship and there is, that's why I stayed in it for two years, you know, just me, a lot of it had to do with my age and where I was at in life and mm. the number of serious relationships I had gone through and my, my maturity slash on the other side of like my maybe lack of tolerance for certain things of like, wanting to really figure some things out and having some sort of concrete plans or mm. steps for the future. And if it wasn't, then it sounds so shitty to be like, well, what are we doing then? But like, realistically, mm -hmm. as a woman, I'm really just accepting and owning this. It's like, I'm on a different clock, man. Yeah. And I don't, I don't resent that anymore. I accept it. It is what it is. But I'm on a different clock. I made decisions about what I want in my life that I was like, I can't just be like, well, let's figure it out. Well, mm. I feel like you think that like the reason why most people break up is they either like someone cheats or does something terrible. But I think the majority of the time it actually is just incompatible life stage or they're at different places at different times. So I feel like your story is resonating. And I'm sure mm -hmm. a lot of listeners out there have like been in similar situations that it's like, I don't necessarily want it to end, but it's very clear that we're just not on the same timeline at all. 
That Yeah, I agree. Yeah. In our recent episode called Relationships, Do You Even Want One? Our guests talk about that sometimes a relationship just runs its course. You have to break up before it gets really ugly. And you just have to appreciate and be grateful for your time together. And if two people are not on the same page for moving forward with that relationship, then it's no matter how much you love each other. As Mark Manson said, love is just simply not enough. Right. Yeah. But you go through this breakup and you go through the healing process and all of a sudden COVID hits and you find yourself being in quarantine alone. Walk us through how that's really impacted your whole healing process. To start that off, I, I say quarantine has been the biggest blessing in my life, to be completely honest. We broke up in December. It was right before Christmas, which is a great time to <laughs> Just have your heart put in a blender. And again, it's there. there's no great way to break up, whether it's because, you know, someone cheated, which I've dealt with, um, or because you realize that somebody you love really, really deeply is just not working out. Either way, it sucks. It's like having a part of you, especially at that point, you know, two years and living with someone and having full integration of like two lives merged together as one. Um, to untangle that emotionally, physically moved out. Like it was really terrible. It was like a shitty time. So in that way, I felt like going into quarantine was a way to like cocoon me a little bit. And I was very grateful that I didn't have to see anybody because it really knocked me on my ass, you guys. Like I, there was something about the nature of this relationship, the timing of it in terms of where I am at life, the expectations that I had and the hopes Mm. that I had of, I had pictured a life with him, you know, and Mm -hmm. we had been acting in accordance to that in playing house, you know, and Mm -hmm. dealing with money and our careers and like our families had partially met and had Thanksgiving, you know, like there were, there's a lot to unpack and to let go of. I don't say it in a cute way. Like I just felt like completely obliterated by that breakup. And I had a lot of reconciling to do with myself because the way that I reacted in that breakup, and I've been through multiple breakups it kicked my ass. I think getting that space to just like completely disconnect from the world on purpose because I quote unquote had to, I really am grateful for it. As sucky as the circumstances, I'm not trying to take away. So walk us through, okay, so what would your immediate, you mentioned that you kind of had to like unravel your life together. UA knows this. I just love a good timeline. I love to hear the, you know, (laughs) verbatim of what's happening. So did you immediately move out or he move out? Like what was kind of the logistics there? And at what point were you kind of like on your own? A lot of breakups don't happen too abruptly, even though like the final conversation might be the thing, you know, the nail. First of all, breakups take hella long to like actually sink in and be truly complete, right? So in that in that objective way, like it took months for us to actually break up. But technically, we broke up before Christmas and within two days of us having the conversation because his living situation was out of state and he had been living with me in LA. Within forty eight hours of this conversation, he was gone. Oh wow! Which wow, was, which was brutal, and it was right before Christmas. So the magnitude of that stark. He's here one minute mm-hmm. and all of his stuff and everything that we shared is like sucked out and like completely out, absent mm-hmm. out of my life. I was thinking about moving. I was mm-hmm. thinking about like, I can't be here. So I was devastated. And I mean, in terms of the issues that had been coming up, you know, they had had some time to be brought up for several months prior to the right. to the breakup. So there's always, you know, 
a ramp, I guess. I don't know if it's an on-ramp or off. <laughs> well, it's an like on and off ramp. Yeah, at the same you know, time. It, it's 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 terrible. And and there at each point, you know, when you're reflecting back on it, you're like, at what point could we have turned it around, or you know, if we had made a different decision, or if we had had that conversation, and if you know, the shoulda, coulda, wouldas, right? Right. Um, mm-hmm. There were multiple moments that we're reconciling the fact that we are on two different pages. The way that we're dealing with these hardships was also revealing of like compatibility. Mm-hmm. I was having massive anxiety and I don't blame him. Like a- after all is said and done, like I went through so much hurt and I definitely played like the resentful, bitter ex-girlfriend at different moments. I've gone through that whole mm-hmm. roller but you know, when you have the time to step back, I'm like, I get why he wasn't, he was trying to honestly do right by me and say, not overcommit to something that he wasn't ready for. Right. And I appreciate that. So, okay. So you, he leaves within 48 hours. Then you said that yeah. you went on this like roller coaster. Like at what point was it quarantine? Was that like kind of when things started to come together or were not come together, but acceptance of it? Or were you, st- maybe acceptance isn't the right word, but I guess just tell <laughs> us where your emotions were at. <laughs> well, I want to know what you guys think about this because what I've noticed in my own I've seen patterns right and there's even memes about this because they you know the the meme is that right in the direct aftermath of a breakup women experience the breakup like right then right away right away devastation is immediate yeah it's like unavoidable. It's inescapable. It's just right there, right? Mm-hmm. It's front loaded. That's the way I, say. I front load all the despair. That's and a good way to put it. It kind of trickles down, you know, whoever, who knows how long that takes, but it kind of tapers off from there. A lot of guys, again, this is so generalized and so sexist, but like a lot of heterosexual men enter a kind of a denial phase mm-hmm. or just like, I can't even deal with this, so I'm not gonna. And whether that's conscious or not, I don't know, but like go kick it with people or do whatever to distract themselves. When I, when I was a dating, coach. I only coached men. Mm. And most of them would come to me and say, can you just tell me how to get more dates? Can you tell me how to be more attractive to women? And when you go deeper, it's always an X that triggers something in them to come to me, where on the surface level, they think they need some sort of like really shallow help. But when you dig deeper, it's always something they did not address with an ex. So the pattern I was seeing was for women, as soon as they go through the breakup, it's like talk, 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 talk it out, talk it out, think it out, talk it out, think it out, cry it out, think it out, talk it out, you know, blah. I will talk to my local barista. I will, <laughs> I will, I will call up my mom at 3 a.m. if I need to talk to it. But men, and again, I I agree with you. I don't want to generalize, but this is what I've saw in the pattern with a hundred percent of the men that I coach, that they would go through immediately. It's not even denial, it's distraction. Cause you know what their friends would do? They go, let's go to the bars. Let's hit the club. Let's get you out of your house. Let's get you meeting girls. So they meet girls. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that first month is bliss. They're like, I don't miss my ex at all. This is awesome. I'm meeting new chicks. I'm like hanging out all the time. I'm hanging out with my boys. It's after that first or second month, something, it's either like a smell that reminds them of their ex yep. or a social media post, a trigger, something happens and they freaking blow up. Like that's when shit goes down and they're like, holy shit, I haven't processed any of my despair. I don't know what I'm feeling right now. And why do I feel so lost? And that's when they like b- literally burst and they don't know who, who to turn to. But by then the women have already kind of gone through mm-hmm. <laughs> their, their healing process and, it, 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 and they're just like, like 
the guy a lot of times will come back passively. It's either a like on yep. a media post, a social media post, or a quick text, just thinking about you. And by then, the woman is basically kind of over it. I call it the one month rule because no fail, <laughs> they always come back in a month. To a month in on some the way, dot, in some on way. the dot, mm-hmm. like it's no fail every single time. And I agree with you. It's so hard because. I mean, I've had just like an earth shattering breakup that I literally could not get out of bed when it happened. Like I remember Mm. just feeling so down on it. And then you start to feel better. You've talked to a zillion of your girlfriends and they're like, please (laughs) stop talking about this. (laughs) You've enlisted in therapy. You know, it's like you've gone through all this. You're starting to mend. And then like as soon as you're starting to mend, it's like they know and they just come Mm -hmm. right back. Like it's no fail every time. Psychologically, what I learned was through a relationship, a woman is driven by her own internal voice. And that voice is it's a really strong voice. And it guides them through all the pressures and all the timeline questions and all of that. Like it's our internal voice is what drives us through relationships. For men, it's multiple voices. They're like dealing with multiple voices, whether it's their friends, society, whatever it may be. They don't actually have one strong voice hmm. that drives them. So after a breakup, a woman's strong voice is the one that's guiding them through the breakup and they feel like they can rely on this person because this internal voice has been there this whole time. Mm -hmm. For the guy, all the voices kind of disappear and they don't find their voice. And that's why there's a lot of confusion on what should I be feeling? Why am I feeling this way? And this Mm -hmm. is why like eventually when they do find their voice, it's like months and months down the line. It's just, we're just not on the same timeline. And I'm not generalizing. This is pure your psychology. And I'm personally fascinated by that. I, I, I find a lot of like, in the, the, right now, poetically, theoretically, I think that's very beautiful, because that's what that's why we have mu- movies and music. And like, yes. you know, is because of this eternal push pull, right? Mad dance. I don't even know what to call it. <laughs> Whatever what it is. is. So Vinji, okay, so a month in, did your ex come back? And where are you at? Let's hold that thought for a second. We'll get right back to it. This episode is sponsored by Vaya. We all know there are things that can help set the mood in the bedroom, but did you know a little THC could also do that? Yes, Vaya has developed a unique blend of pleasure-enhancing cannabinoids, libido-strengthening herbs, and a low dose of THC all into one mind-blowing gummy called High Love. This gummy, wow, it will awaken your senses, increase blood flow, and intensify any sexual experience. I've been pleasantly surprised by the High Love gummies because it is just the right amount of THC THC for me to have a good time without feeling sleepy. And hey, if THC is not your thing, Via also offers a wide array of other gummies without it. And everything legally ships in 50 states with discreet packaging directly to your door. So if you're over 21, you can get 15% off and a free pack of award-winning Dreams THC plus CBN sleep gummies with our exclusive code DATEABLE at ViaHemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com. Let the gummies work their magic. Head to viahemp.com and use a code DATEABLE to receive 15% off and one free sample of their sleepy dream gummies. That's viahemp.com and use a code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from Via Hemp. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. 
Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today. We are so excited to share with you our new podcast exit interview. Dates don't usually end with a satisfaction survey, and yet we rate everything in our lives, from Uber drivers to local coffee shops. So why don't we do the same thing when dating? We're here to conduct the ultimate romance review, featuring daters hungry for love who have agreed to call up old flames to gather honest feedback. Welcome to Exit Interview. He upgraded himself to business class while I was in economy. (laughs) Wait, wow. What? There's feedback that will make you cringe. She could be a little bit hard-headed, like not reading the writing on the wall. And feedback that will make you swoon. When she said that she had feelings for you. I had no idea. Really? And maybe you'll learn a thing or two yourself about how you can be a better dater, lover, or partner. Obviously, like, knew I was going to learn something. I didn't expect this. Welcome to Exit Interview. Listen to Exit Interview on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, Vinji, okay, so a month in, did your ex come back and where are you at? I mean, it was less than a month. We, I mean, it was, again. <laughs> it was the next day. <laughs> it was, it was, again, it's the, it was the holidays. It was, it's mm-hmm. Christmas and New Year's. There's a Ugh. lot of reflecting. Yep. And it's, again, the tough thing of we never had a shortage of love. There was no, like, absence of, like, desire. There was no absence of devotion. It was trying to accept this shitty truth that right. maybe I'm not the best person for you right now in both aspects. Like, mm-hmm. I had to deal with that. He had to deal with that. So we are both trying to do the right thing for ourselves slash each other, which is very noble, but we're both human beings and it's just going to suck to like, again, you're, you're detoxing from somebody. That sounds very terrible, but like, you are, you though. know, they, you totally mm-hmm. are. You're detoxing from them. And, um, so yeah, we, de- we had a roller coaster. I mean, it was roller coastered up until quarantine. Actually, you know, I, I feel terrible because I'm the one that's like volunteering our story uh, in public. But, you know, up until quarantine, we we're back and forth about mm. like, can we work this out? Because we did care about each other so much and um, had made stupid mistakes and hurt each other in the interim. But right up until quarantine, like literally into March, so three months after, we we're talking about should we meet up? Should we try to work it out? And that was really painful. It was super, super painful just to, again, You've gone through all that for me. I was like, I've gone through three solid months of like, literally, if I'm not sleeping, I am toiling over this breakup. I'm trying to process every emotion. I'm looking at every pro and con. I'm talking to my counselors. And it's not just women. Like my brother is one of my best friends. Mm -hmm. And he's always been such a great male, you know, mind. And he's always looking out for me, but he doesn't, he doesn't coddle me. He doesn't tell Mm -hmm. me bullshit. Like he keeps it very real. So, you know, just like kind of going through every aspect, even talking with my ex, like just we're ping ponging, like pinballing all over the place. It was, it was a lot. And did you see each other as well? We ran, so it's just, again, the, the, the K-drama continues in the snow. <laughs> the we, we, K-drama. Had, we met at Sundance and Sundance happens in January. And mm-hmm. so in, in a very dramatic fashion, we, we saw each other at Sundance and that was also like a moment of like, I really freaking miss you. Mm-hmm. you know, it was really hard. Yeah, it was tough. So we did see each other in January and then went back to our respective states doing our thing. And I'm trying to just get over it. He's trying to get over it. It was it was rough, man. Okay, so was it quarantine? Like, was that like the nail on the coffin that you're like, I'm moving forward? Or was there a moment before that? 
that was like there are multiple moments it was like i swear to god it's like a it's like a rocket that's trying to launch into space i'm realizing mm. or that's one analogy or because you have to break through the atmosphere you know what i'm saying there's a lot of resistance. You have to like break through that. And then once you're in space, you're kind of coasting. That's one analogy. The other part that I, I was calling it was like, you're like stuck in tar and you're just like getting mm. out of tar. You're trying to remove it from mm. your skin. And it's just like, it's residue, right? It's like just stuck to you. Mm-hmm. Both are, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> What's the I better like analogy here? I'm not sure. <laughs> I like it because both of them have that heaviness to them. But at yeah. the same time, there is that light at the end of the tunnel. You know that once the tar is off your body or once you break through the atmosphere that there's no turning back. You just keep going. Right. Funny thing is, even while we were together and talking about breaking up, we had even talked about, should we break up and then see again in a year? We we negotiated. We talked about a lot of different scenarios because- I've done that before. How'd that go for you? (laughs) Me too. How'd that go for you? Well, we don't have time to do this on the podcast. (laughs) Wait, who's the guest today? That's another whole episode for another time. But you know, that is just so telling of two people who truly care about each other and want Mm -hmm. to work things out authentically. And you're not trying to give up because at some point, I'm sure you go back to your respective homes and you think, if we just try hard enough, we can make this work. Let's play out all the scenarios. And you want to believe it, like, especially just like from what we're shown in like movies and all this shit. It's like you want to believe that love is enough. And right. Yeah, it's not. So I will counter Mr. Manson. I do think love, <laughs> it, it does conquer all and it is enough, but the, the recipient or who that love is placed upon is the most important thing. So as cliche as it sounds, the main thing that I was learning through the breakup through, like literally from the moment that we were coming to this conclusion and it hit me because it hit me, like we were saying, immediately mm-hmm. it hit me instantaneously, like, oh shit, this mm-hmm. is really happening. I have to figure out my entire life now. I broke down, you guys. And so that recognition of how much I was not loving to myself was really obvious really quick. And mm. and that was very unsettling, very upsetting, very scary to like recognize that without him, I was like, what the hell do I do now? And mm. I don't like even saying that out loud because I'm a very independent, very in some ways very confident woman but in that I completely fell apart I actually think that's when the breakups are the hardest in a Mm -hmm. way I mean I think like it's there's so many uh, different factors I'm not gonna say it's like only that like obviously just the depth of it and all that but I remember like for my own instance I felt like I lost myself a little in the relationship Mm. because I was so focused on this person so Mm -hmm. that's when like he was gone it just felt like this major void was gone and I think I mean, if you're in a relationship, there's going to be a void, right? Like someone's gone that you're used to being with all the time. So it's inevitable. But I think if you've like feel like you've lost a bit of yourself along with it, it like goes even deeper. Yeah. Climbing out of that hole, if you will. I don't know what that that metaphor makes sense, but it's just, (laughs) it's, it's freaking hard. And, and for somebody, again, it's also frame of mind, right? Like if I view myself and I have my own identity as like, I'm a strong, capable, independent woman. But in this instance, like you're just getting a very, very sobering reckoning. Like you're getting your ass handed to you of like, oh, are you now? (laughs) Like, no, because I'm recognizing how much I had kind of thrown myself 
in some ways, I think it's so beautiful, right? But I'd really like kind of put all of me into this relationship. And that was something that I really needed to sit with and that like to sit in the pain and recognize there's something really not okay about it. It wasn't even just the pain. Oh, he's gone. It was like, I was like, who the hell am I? That's a scary place to be versus like, mm-hmm. oh, I just missed somebody. And it's so sad that this person's now gone. It was straight up panic and like fear. I don't know how else to put it. But if anything, the silver linings, which I'm a very silver linings kind of person, at the end of the day, I'm much optimist. It was the thing that I think I needed to reconcile some some trauma, some like mm. unresolved issues with family. I had had an abusive boyfriend as a teenager that I hadn't fully healed from like things like that. They all came to the surface in <laughs> rapid succession. It was just like one after another. I was like, all right. And now we have a pandemic. But you yeah. know, so I had a conversation with my coworker about this who recently gave birth. And when she was pregnant, she said the hardest thing she had to deal with was the change in her identity. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that as women, especially is that we go through all these different kinds of identities that are really hand in hand with the other people in our lives. Like I am a daughter, I am a girlfriend, I am a friend, I am a dog mom, like these are all identities, right? Mm-hmm. And when you lose that person who gives you that identity, you lose a part of yourself. That is absolutely true. So I think as independent women, it's really hard to reconcile that because we think, well, I'm independent, which means I have this independent identity, but we forget that it is really like relative to the other people in our lives. Absolutely. And it's also the loss, not just of the person, but of the life that you thought you were going to have. Yeah. Like, I think that is really hard to grapple. I remember just like having this hard time too, just being like, I think it was because I had been single before for like a long time, like dating all the time. And then I finally met that person, right? And then when it ends, you're like, oh, I'm back here again. You yeah. Know? And there's Except like, you're older yeah. and you're like, <laughs> and I was not, I, I really had put a lot of work into like being a modern woman where I'm like, you know what? If it, And I'm very spiritual too. You know, I'm like mm-hmm. divine timing. When things happen, they happen. And, you know, miracles have happened in my life before. I'm no exception. I don't dictate this, but I, I'm, I was recognizing how much of a control freak I was. And the mm. fact that like all these elements of my life that I had really been doing my absolute best working so hard yes to kind of keep in this safe little bubble so that it could be all that i dreamed of and more you know just ripped away like you said it's like it's a little death Mm -hmm. any relationship like when you 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 care about somebody it it, you gotta grieve it it's grieving and then learning how to be alone and really the identity of do i love myself i think i've made a lot of headway especially in that previous stint of being single and like dating around learning how to have boundaries um, saying no, which is funny. As soon as I met my ex, like all the boundaries went up. I'm like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh my um, dangerous ground, guys. I don't know about you two, but I know that as soon as I go, when I go through a breakup, the first thing that comes to my mind is panic. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God, I have to do this shit all yeah. over again. Yeah. Like I have to get myself back out there. What's out there? Is there anybody out there? And yeah. how do I develop feelings again with someone and start from square one? Yeah. How do you deal with that? panic. I don't even know. Like I'm trying to think back on how that it was. This is like, honestly, me putting my heart to anybody who's going through heartbreak because we have all gone through it in some form. And maybe, you know, I don't want it to, but maybe will again in the future. I felt uh, this was again, I don't know, I'm getting really deep into my psychology, but I was dealing with like abandonment issues. I Mm, felt like he abandoned me, Mm -hmm. even though the way he looked at it. And again, the way I even looked at it when I was in a sober mind was that we're doing this 
to be the best we could be to ourselves and to each other. Mm. That's the rational way we're approaching. When you're emotional and you're, you know, again, a human being that has a lifetime of trauma and a lifetime of like unresolved emotional issues. Yeah, I, I when I was angry and when I was sad, I felt like you just threw me aside and you left. Oh, I've totally been there. I feel like I'm so resonating in your story right now, Benji. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh, like, Julie. yeah, like it's definitely one of those things I remember. It was so logical, but I like, for me, it was the same emotional trap that was like, did you not love me enough? Or like, what right. was it, mm, you know? Right. But I think you way to answer your question, I've dealt with it in multiple ways because I've had a couple instances. I think the first time I dealt with getting that panic of getting back out there by just just avoiding. And I think yeah, I didn't date yeah. for way too long. Like I think mm-hmm. in retro, well, I shouldn't say in retrospect, I would fix it. I think I had to deal with what I was dealing. And that's what my truth was at that lo- point in my life. And I think actually, for me, like, I did take like a solid year that I really wasn't dating. Like I had like, I mean, my ex was still there to some degree like it wasn't mm-hmm. like so I guess it wasn't like totally but we weren't seeing each other but we, he was like mentally taking up space if that makes mm. sense but we weren't seeing each other I think I might have had like no I think I was pretty single I like definitely went through like a very long dry period too in that, that time I, but- I envy and respect that Julie because that's okay my thing it was like I had done the, I had gone off the dating apps on and off as a single, because, you know, <laughs> I'm sure you guys have talked about this so much on this podcast, but like, it's exhausting. So you know? exhausting. It's so exhausting, but there's fun parts to it. That's why yeah. we do it, but there's mm-hmm. like, it's exhausting. And so like I've definitely gone in yeah. waves, but I had always kind of, I knew that at least after this breakup, like I was like, I know that this is a distraction. I know that this mm. is me feeling right. not pretty and wanting somebody to just want me and being real with myself about that. So I did my very best and I actually went a whole month without even downloading an app onto my phone. And for me, that was significant, you know, and in that month, I was literally dealing with the hardest emotions, like again, front loading all Mm -hmm. the despair and just dealing with it and um, doing my best not to go back onto that crutch because I knew it was a crutch and it wasn't going to actually make me feel better at the end of the day, that it was a very fleeting distraction. But it was after that month, you know, I did get back on, but it only proved my point. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just such a momentary alleviating feeling. But did you get back on during quarantine? Like, where was this in relation to quarantine? Like, when did you decide that, okay, I'm moving on from this relationship? Yeah. So I had, so, okay, after a month after, this is January, I had the apps on my phone. Like it was a distraction and then I got off of them because I was just like, this isn't good. And I focused on me, which Mm -hmm. I knew it's like, you know, eating your vegetables, you know, that's what needs to be done. (laughs) Um, So I was like, I'm a freaking 34 year old woman. I want like I was in so much pain that I was like, let's just do the damn work. Let's just do the therapy. Yeah, let's let's Mm. talk about it. Like, let's do the meditating. Like, we got to do this. And so I actually traveled a bit. I went to see my brother in Seattle. This was right when COVID was like ramping up. So oh, I like yeah. in Seattle too. Yeah. In Seattle, <laughs> I went to Seattle, Austin and New York. Within oh my God. And then <laughs> wow. I came back to LA and then went into lockdown. So, um, you know, like I was on it and I was swiping, but I wasn't ever like pursuing anything. Again, it was a distraction. And then I wasn't really active on it. So I don't know what the timeline is because I have no sense of time right now. <laughs> um, That's the truth. And I had a lot of work to do. So yeah, I don't know. I I guess more recently, I was just like, I was just chatting with people. I wasn't taking anything seriously. Still am not. Like realistically, 
it's been really great because quarantine made me have so much more time for myself mm -hmm. that I actually was filling up the hours really well with work. I worked out a lot. It's yeah. been like the number one thing. When I went through my bad breakup, I was like working out like twice a day. I remember. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> That's pretty damn good. It is. I have been working out twice a day, even if it's just like a walk. Yeah. You know, but, like, yeah. That's I've been great. Active. It's better than ice cream. <laughs> and the limited runs to the grocery store helps too. I'm like, oh, I can't just go get it. Like yeah. <laughs> That's true. Okay, so is this your first time doing therapy or have you done therapy before? I, I had done therapy really for the first time a couple years ago. Um, actually, my first love, uh, he passed away oh, in sorry. 2018. Wow. So actually, that was a, and that was tough because I was dating my ex at the time. So there's a lot of layers that we went through a lot together and I, I was going through a lot in life. So actually, that was an impetus for me to actually get therapy. Realistically, I it would have been really good for me, I think, if I had gotten therapy after my abuse of ex when I was a teenager, that would have mm. been a very important time, I think, mm -hmm. to get therapy. But being Korean American and- <laughs> Right, like what's therapy? What? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Waste of money. <laughs> well, I mean, that's for my parents. But I mean, if I had asked for it or if I had pushed for it, they would have, but I was 19. Right, you don't know. Like, <laughs> We don't know. I did know. But see, I, I, I object on that because I was like this little woke kid at Berkeley <laughs> studying public health. Like I knew therapy would be good for a lot of different reasons. I just didn't let it apply to me up until it really, really mattered. Mm. There's, I can't change the past, but better late than never. Right? right. So I did start therapy a little bit in 2018. It was expensive, uh, et cetera. I, I'm a freelance, you know, creative producer and actor like I didn't have tons of money so I didn't make it a priority to pay for therapy mm. but after this breakup I've been doing therapy every week got it so this Good time around it's more of a priority 100 percent. so a that's a big difference it is a very big difference and did you make that a goal from the very beginning or was this something that as you healed along the way you decided to implement it I think it was more along the way but it was definitely something in my gut my instinctually and even prior to the breakup because we were fighting so much and it was really taking a toll in terms of like my anger, my anxiety, my feelings of just like uncertainty about the future. It was mounting, you know? So mm -hmm. I feel like I had already had months of knowing deep down that I would mm -hmm. benefit from it, that it would be helpful. Again, take that leap. Again, I'm still unpacking like what were the actual barriers between taking the step to actually do it and implement something that I knew for quite a while would be something helpful and important to me and making it a priority and making it something that no excuses, I'm going to make it happen. Because I'm really good about that in a lot of other aspects of my life. Of course. Yeah, right, right. Well, when I went through my brutal therapy, my brutal breakup. Brutal I, therapy. <laughs> my, they really beat you up. <laughs> that's actually the first time, though, I started therapy. Like, I started BetterHelp. That was, like, the mm -hmm. first one, the online version. And I found that, like, a really great gateway into therapy. And I always say that. I think it's, like, a really great accessible way to get started. Mm -hmm. And then... Um, not to plug, but they are a dateable sponsor. So Yes, they are. We love them. <laughs> Can they holler at me because I, I pay them. I'm like, that's what I've been using. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. I think especially I right it. now in virtual land where we can't see people anyways, it's like the perfect solution. Mm -hmm. And I did end up deciding to go to in-person because I just felt like I wanted to try that experience. Mm -hmm. And it honestly, like, 
as difficult as the breakup was for me, it totally changed me as a person. Like I think like the layers of depth I got after that breakup and just from, I mean, obviously the experiences I went through in that relationship, but also just the work that I did on myself with therapy. It was like monumental. Like I'm I'm forever grateful for that experience because I don't think I'd be the person I am today without it. 100% agree. As as excruciating as it is, right? And that's what I think, even again, the the, opti- the annoying optimist in me is like, even with all of this that's happening right now, it is mad uncomfortable. And it's so like just kind of throwing us all into this crazy turmoil of evaluation and discomfort of not being able to do everything that we want to do and having to prioritize and and think of, you know, all the different consequences of every single little action. It's so exhausting. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I feel like sometimes that's what it takes to like really mm-hmm. get it together, right? And um, that's a good thing to come out of it. That's a key word there is that discomfort. When you're uncomfortable, that's the only way to change and push yourself forward. Mm-hmm. So what I love about this conversation is that, Minji, you, you could act as a future person for somebody listening to this episode right now who's going through what you went through, let's say, three months ago, mm-hmm. and you're like coming to them from the future. And in hindsight, what do you think are some of the things that you did to make yourself uncomfortable, but that really you really reaped the benefits from you're so good you're like gosh <laughs> uh i think really sitting in the hurt like that's yeah. one thing i just had to sit in it instead of distracting that first month it's so like lame but i'm like i want to congratulate myself as stupid as that sounds i want to give myself props for not repeating what i knew would be bad for me that yes. was for me, you know what I mean? For somebody else's measuring stick, it may not, it may be something completely different, but it's like an addict, right? Like you went a whole month and you, you didn't go back to what mm-hmm. you knew logically mm-hmm. and in your gut would not help you. And for that, I do want to give myself grace yes. and credit because I let myself grieve. There's nothing like that pain sitting in your bones to remind you, like, I will not go through this again if I can help it, right? And learning how to transmute that pain into like love for yourself for lack of better words is is really powerful and so sitting in the pain was one thing um taking responsibility that was a second thing in sitting in the pain and then taking time really to reflect and thank you again to quarantine i i needed to i had the space to do it uh, but also I could have I could have chosen to just Netflix all day and not yeah you know right yeah, you still made a choice yeah yeah I was just like again it came to like the priorities I was like oh my god <laughs> I'm 34 I'm newly single we're quarantined now I don't know when the hell I can ever meet somebody if I do want the family that I want that literally is one of the reasons why we broke up was because I had decided like, yeah, I do want to have a family within the next, ideally in the next few years. Yep. Mm. That means I cannot just spend the next year or two dicking around and just right. like, and, and now we're in quarantine. I got to get it together. I need to like get right with myself. One of our episodes that we had this season, it was called Quarantine from Fuckboys, but it actually went pretty deep. <laughs> and, uh, it was so with Shallon Lester, and she made a really great analogy how like, you know, in the winter, beers hibernate. And they like get their mm-hmm. shit together and there's nothing wrong with that. And they need that in order to thrive mm-hmm. when it becomes time that they're out of hibernation. So she yeah. was saying that the quarantine is the perfect time 
Because like what I think the question that led up to it was like, what do you, what happens when you're freaking out that you're losing valuable time in your mm-hmm. like dating life, especially as like the clock is ticking, you're getting older, etc. And she was saying like the value of working on yourself is a step towards that. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. And I think the payoff is it's invaluable. You can't even measure that because for me, it was recognizing all the ways that I had contributed to the demise of the break. You know what I mean? Like the immature version of me, I think in, in past life, I would be really just like sitting in pain, but I don't know, like coming from like a super egotistical way of yeah. just like, you're better off without him. Da, 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 like forget him. I didn't want to though. Like I cared about him and I was trying to look at it from like, what am I supposed to learn out of this? Because why am I here again? Why did I thought this was going to work out? I thought this was it. We have so much love for each other. We had X, Y, Z, you know, at all these components, why did it not work? And it really mm. hit me hard. And I had to accept responsibility for the ways that I contributed to not having it work out. And those are very real. It's not like blaming him or blaming me. It's just really becoming more objective about it and saying that stuff I need to work on. That is something that's completely separate from him because take that person out of the equation. Right. If things get, if, if shit goes down and you get into a conflict, I saw patterns. I was like, I freak out. I shut down. I recognize I'm not as good of a communicator as I thought. The pattern that we had in our relationship, why he would come to these different conclusions that I get so angry about. But I'm like, did I ever clearly state what I wanted? You know? Mm. And if and when I changed my mind, which happens in a human's life, you know, I changed my mind from being super casual to becoming a lot more serious. How did I communicate that to him? And was that reasonable? Was that fair? If Hmm. a lot of them were like sucky answers to like really be like, oh, I handled that pretty bad. I mean, Mm. that's so important because I think we were talking about earlier, like the people that just jump right back into dating or distract Mm -hmm. themselves, they don't have that time to process it. And I think you need that time because if you don't, you're just going to get into another relationship and the same shit's going to happen again. Right. It's really important. And like I said, you know, I've had breakups before and I definitely didn't take that time. I'm just recognizing like you'll get taught the same lessons over and over until you learn the lesson. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm a pretty stubborn person. <laughs> so were there any like tactical things that you did? Like, was there anything that you can pass on as like advice for people? Or was it really just therapy? Like what? Therapy was one part of it. Um, and that was it was a process because I went through multiple therapists before I kind of found hmm. uh, the one the one. But even then I'm recognizing, I think I'm treating this, like don't put too many expectations on even that one, because maybe she's a great therapist for this particular moment and being really, really aware and, and okay with it just served that purpose. And Mm -hmm. if I don't, I don't need to stay with that therapist forever. Oh yeah. (laughs) You don't need to be married to that therapist. We had a therapist on the show once and she said that she had like five therapists. Remember that? She had like different therapists for different things and different stages of life. So it's totally a thing. And I think that what you just said too about finding the one, that's also a thing because it's like if you don't jive with that person, how the hell can you just like unload your life to them? Exactly. Exactly. And I'm honestly really the focus of the takeaways from this period of my life is to genuinely learn to love myself. And loving yourself doesn't mean just doing whatever you feel like. I'm really learning what that means. Like it means 
protecting yourself and and disciplining yourself and protecting you know what you want in the long term versus short term. That takes a lot of maturity and self awareness mm-hmm. to be able to do that. Not only theoretically know it in your head, but to act on it. That's also different, right? All the little things that I was doing was learning how to trust myself. If I said I'm going to work out today and working out that day, building trust between me and me. You know what、mm. I mean? And like, I've just gone full spiritual woo woo. <laughs> It honestly has saved my life. To be honest, it saved my. It's preserved my sanity. It's given me clarity. I really am living and walking the talk of like, if you're not good to you, you're not good to anybody. You know what I mean?、Mm-hmm. There's a there's a limit. That's what dating yourself is about. You're showing yourself love. You're、mm-hmm. courting yourself. Yes. You're so showing yourself what romance should feel like, and that's what helps you to recognize love with someone else. If we don't show the love to ourselves, how would we ever know what kind of love that we want? Right. Exactly. So, what、yeah. revelations did you have out of this time? Like, what do you want in the future now, and has it changed from before? I think it has.、Um, One of the criteria, you know, I, I still I recognize I've accepted I do want somebody like my grandma. We were talking about this last week. My grandma was arguing that like I don't need somebody good looking. Oh that, yeah, I remember. Like looks are overrated, and that good looking people cheat, and you just need somebody <laughs> that will like be a good provider and believes in God. Like that's what she said. So like, practical,、no. yeah. Good, but I'm I'm kind of like I'm merging the practical with、mm. the romantic. And I'm just like I do want to be attracted to the person I'm going to sleep with、mm-hmm. and have children with. But like my criteria,、um, you know, someone that I enjoyed spending time with, but also really someone who'll be a good dad. I mean,、mm. that's just become a big thing in my life. Somebody who wants a family, and if I would want my child to be like them, period. You know, before it was just like how. Ambitious are you? Like,、mm. how passionate are you as a person? Like, all these things that I don't think are bad, but they definitely evolved. You know, got it. So it helped you, like, kind of fine tune what you're looking for. Yeah, yeah, and I, it's just where I'm at in life too. I don't, I don't think I was wrong for wanting the things I wanted before. That's like me again, loving myself and just forgiving. You know, that's what you wanted. Now, what do you want now?、Mm. Stop. Freaking out about everything that happened before. Learn from it and then apply it. Literally, it's all you can do. But your same goals of like marriage, kids, all of that hasn't changed. It's more now you have a better path to find someone that equally shares that. Is that、right. what I'm getting? Okay, I think so. And and to have more realistic, more gracious expectations of what that will actually look like. I'm very thankful to my last relationship because. Living with somebody and really merging my life, and he wasn't the first one because the previous ex was like that as well, but just not in the same intensity.、Mm-hmm. But merging your life with someone is incredibly sacred, and it's important, and、um, it's not to be taken lightly. So you got to do your part, and it's also recognizing like I can't have somebody be responsible for my happiness. Period. At the end of the day, my feelings and my、yep. sanity. I gotta handle that. That is my responsibility, and、mm. that I think is the biggest shift in who I am entering any relationship now onward versus a previous version. That's so important. That's so much expectation for someone, right? So yeah, who knows what marriage even means? Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we'll see. All of it's just open. So are you back to dating now that we're like starting to exit quarantine? What's your plan? 
or you still need more no time? Idea, you guys, you tell me what I'm supposed <laughs> to do. I'm a dateable <laughs> podcast because I genuinely, I mean, I, I, I match with people and again, none of it was taken seriously because we're in quarantine and, but I've noticed patterns about like dumbass guys who are like asking to meet up and I'm like, right. Insane. Well, we started alluding to this earlier, and I think it's tough because you know, I'd love to hear what you've gone through too. But I mentioned the time that I definitely took a lot longer to start dating again. And mm-hmm. then I remember like after my last relationship, I'm like, oh, hell no, am I not doing that again? That was such lost time. So I remember I like booked a date like a week after and I met up with this guy and I remember like on the date, like there was nothing wrong with the date at all. It was totally fine. There was no chemistry, but there was nothing wrong. And I just remember like losing it. Like I literally like went to the bathroom mm, and started to like that. tear up. <gasps> and then I like kind of made it that it was, I was ready to go. I was like winding down anyways. I got in the, the Uber and I just like burst out in tears and I was like, okay, this is like, I can't just jump right back in either. So because I was like, Oh, I did the work last time, like I can just go. So Mm -hmm. I don't know what the answer is. I don't think there is like a set answer. But I think you kind of know when you're like ready again, like you're Mm -hmm. like excited. I think it's like when you're forcing it, that's when it's a bad situation. It doesn't usually end well, because you're like going because you feel like you have to, to like move forward, but you're not excited about it. And you aren't really ready, right? So I think when you absolutely you finally get that itch that you're like I want to meet someone again like I think that's when it's like a great time to start I think so too and it's it's a it's an evolution in having self-awareness at each step right you're kind of like you're dipping your toe back in and yeah because it was just like such a nightmare going part of it was fun of like oh wow there's so many great people I genuinely think there's so many wonderful people out in the world and to whatever degree you're going to connect with that person that is a complete question mark you never know right it could be the greatest person doesn't mean you have chemistry doesn't mean you connect have the same values you're all you know that's all the mystery of why again why we have movies and music and everything but i also was like it wasn't my first time participating in this rodeo so <laughs> the same annoying triggers came back to you and i was like oh god this is why i hate this so much <laughs> UA calls it roadkill, and I love that term because I, <laughs> yeah, it's like because I wants to be roadkill. I think though you have to, like, you it's unfortunate that you have to, but like, I know even now, I like recently ended something and I like immediately got back on the apps and. I don't know. I started like talking to people and I'm like, I don't think I really want to be doing this right now. So I'm still like this like passive sitting duck on the apps that I'm like swiping on people and not really replying. But I am doing a phone call tonight. So I'm like starting to get ready. You know, like I think it's like you're starting to hit it. But I had to be that person. And I'm sure all those people that were messaging me getting no reply are just like, fuck this person. Right. (laughs) Right. Or like that guy I went on the date with that I was like... (laughs) literally ended up in tears. It had nothing to do with him. Like, that's unfortunate. But like, you kind of need to do it to see where you're at and get that barometer. Yes, do it. But with precaution, because don't forget, there is another human (laughs) being that you're, you're, you're corresponding with and spoken as someone who has been roadkill many times. (laughs) I don't want to be part of that situation. Like I've, I've definitely met guys on apps who are like, Oh, I went through a breakup a few months ago. I'm, I'm getting myself myself back out there. I'm feeling good. And 
I don't know. Is that a red flag? I don't know if you're really ready and they don't really know and I can't fault them for it. So I would just say, yes, you should get it when you feel ready-ish, getting yourself back out there, just tread lightly. And yeah. my first, like when, when people tell me they may be ready to get back into dating, I always say, how excited are you about meeting someone new right now? Not just for dating, just a new person in general. Right. And mm-hmm. if they say, I feel I feel like it's a little daunting to meet a new person that I'm like, you're not ready to date. You're like, you're not ready to go out there again. Mm-hmm. But if someone's like, I'm genuinely excited to meet someone new to learn something from them platonically, then I'm like, okay, maybe you are, you know, somewhat re- ready. We just can't forget that they're, we're dealing with human beings right. here. Well, I think also like that when I took that like year off, right? Like I was in a, re- like I was just going through my own personal journey, right? So I was mm-hmm. like in therapy, I was like getting over this devastating breakup. Like I mm-hmm. was not someone that anyone would want to date at that point, right? And I also felt like for me, because dating does bring up a lot of emotional stuff too on a good day. Like when you're like perfectly sound, if you get ghosted (laughs) or someone just like, you know, like there's so many things that can happen. So my, at least the way I was looking at it as I was like, I am already on the brink of emotional, anything extra that happens with dating will just like send me over the edge. So I feel like for me, I needed to get back into a place that I had that self love and could handle those ups and downs of dating emotionally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's very, very wise, Julie. And I think I'm, I'm of the same mind, maybe just not as Consciously, but increasingly like, yeah, this is a lot. I've gone on a few virtual dates and they're, they're pleasant. You know, they're, it was just a reminder like, wow, yeah, there are really cool people out there. Again, it doesn't mean this is your future husband or even somebody that you even maybe want to meet up with in real life, in real life, like in person. (laughs) And again, the criteria for that, like, it's literally, have you been tested for COVID? But did you also do an antibody test? But like, where have you been since then? There's a lot more at stake right now. And so think of all these hoops that we now have to run through. I think it's just, again, you measure, you calibrate like the worthiness of this interaction in such a different way. Yes. Then I'm like, this is a waste of my life. I don't know. Though. I think you said that the quarantine was the best thing to have to happen to you to put you in this space that you had to confront this. Mm-hmm. I almost feel like virtual dating is perfect for where you're at right now. Because yeah. it's like low commitment. And also like, okay, like if you're not the person that is like, I'm so ready to be there. Like you're not really wasting people's time as much. Like getting on a call versus like going on a date is very different. Very low stakes, low investment. Yes, but also has been proven that video calls are extremely exhausting. That's true. Probably more exhausting than (laughs) in person. That's true. So can you elaborate on this? Oh yeah, there's like studies on this. Well, like the Zoom, you know, like everyone's exhausted from Zoom because you're staring at a screen and there's something just, you like can't turn your attention away because then it's very obvious when you do so right. it's like full attention there's nothing distracting you you can't like it's not like you're at a bar and you can look at the people around you you're just staring at this person it gets very exhausting so again like your truth is whatever you're feeling in the moment and if you feel like you want to meet some people you want to talk to them it by all means do it but you also have to know yourself very well to to the point where you're like, okay, I think I should take a break or right. I can keep going with this. So I think we should get into some takeaways because what I'm hearing from this, and I hear this over and over again, is like when people 
when they're going through a period of loneliness or um, trying to get over a breakup, they ramp up really fast and then they overexhaust themselves on so many levels, physically and mentally. And I work in the fitness industry, and this is a really interesting fact, is that most people skip the cool down for workouts because they think they're like, I already got the benefits from the workout. Why do I need to cool down? Mm. People who skip cool downs regularly gain more weight because when you overexert your body, your body is is creating cortisol, which then is turns into sugar, which then makes you gain weight. And what that really means is when you don't give your body the the rest that it needs, your body actually goes against what you're trying to accomplish. And that's exactly how people to think about relationships too and dating and being alone. You have to give yourself a break. You got to take that downtime and cool down, recover, take a few days of rest, and then you can ramp up again. You can't keep spiking, spiking, spiking because it's actually counterproductive. And what you're doing, Minji, is great because this is almost like this forced cool down for you (laughs) (laughs) before you get into that next workout again. But you've taken the time, what I really appreciate about what your story is, you've taken the time to separate the relationship that you went through and what you are going through. Like what I'm hearing is you're going through this like identity um, evolution Mm -hmm. and that's very separate from your, you getting over your breakup. They're kind of like two separate paths, Mm -hmm. which means you're on a, you're on a path to really evolve your life and you're going to come out of quarantine a new person. And it doesn't mean that this is like, oh my gosh, she's she knows she's figured out dating. But you haven't used this time just to think about like, what do I need to do to make this relationship work? It's right. more like, what do I need to do to make my life work for what I'm trying to accomplish? Right. That's very admirable. I Thank love you. that. I love that. Thank I think you. I was going to say a similar takeaway. It's like the, this time can be the best thing for you if you let it be. And right. I think like oftentimes we think about breakups and just thinking about the negative and the devastation. I think I think I'm a, an optimist also that I feel like I always try to see like what can be good that comes out of it. And I mean, we've obviously pointed to so many reasons like within your story and then other stories that we shared on this podcast today of just like how this can really transform you as a person and set you yeah. up for the relationship you want. So I think like, even if you're not going through a breakup, if you are in a situation where you're burnt out on dating or things have not been progressing the way that you want, I think taking that time and not being afraid to feel like you're missing opportunities and all the FOMO is coming in, like quarantine is that best time because we had to, but it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that now that things are like restrictions are starting to get lifted, it doesn't mean that you can't do it still. Like right. I did it when there was no quarantine, there was no COVID-19, <laughs> like it's not fun. Like, it's not fun to sit with your thoughts, but you have to do it to, like, push through. And I think, like, a lot of people at the beginning of quarantine were kind of freaking out because it was the first time that they weren't distracted. Like, you didn't have an event to go to. You didn't have a, you know, date to line up. And you had to sit with your thoughts. And I think it can be very, very scary. But I think the rewards are so worth it. I completely agree. You both are so great at these takeaways and so eloquent. (laughs) I feel like I've been... 
analyzed in like the best way possible. I feel reborn. And (laughs) and I also want to be very encouraging because it is like both of you said, it is, it's a process. It's not going to be comfortable, but I personally, right now I can say I'm, I feel like one of the happiest places I've been in for me personally, even though I'm definitely still struggling on a day-to-day basis because the rest of the world is like a, a freaking dumpster fire right now. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm working on using whatever I have learned from my own personal experience, whether and even though that's like in a dating and self-identity realm, but to apply it to all the turmoil that's arising in all of all of mm. humanity right now, whether that's health related or economically related or cultural and racism and like all this shit is just like being purged right now. Mm-hmm. And it's a very macro version of like what I felt I was going through on a micro level personally. So in that way, I feel like I can commiserate with just like this upheaval, right? It's like Mm -hmm. all this shit is being put out there. And so just to remain as much as I humanly can a a role of like encouragement. um, I think a lot of the healing that happens externally, even systematically, even up to the levels of like government happens internally first. And there's so much that I want to do and achieve both in a romantic relationship and outside of it. But all of those still are rooted within me, the way that Mm -hmm. I manage myself, manage my feelings, my psyche, my sleep schedule, my fitness, Mm -hmm. um, the way I talk to myself. And so that's going to be on a very micro day-to-day basis. That is a lifestyle commitment that's way beyond quarantine. And I thank quarantine for helping facilitate that. But it's definitely, you know, not the end. And I appreciate this like little chrysalis moment, but <laughs> mm-hmm, uh, yeah. it, it ain't over. And and what I'll say is like because because we're in this world where like literally anything goes now, right? Like what is life? What is time? What are <laughs> what are rules? Like nothing applies really anymore. So in that way, it feels kind of like this crazy weird blank canvas. Like let's do it the way we want to yeah. do it. And I have gone again. What I said, full spiritual woo woo. I'm doing self-love stuff that I really genuinely looked at previously as like, oh my God, this is like some Gwyneth Paltrow shit. This is, this is for I'm like- cleaning my pussy again. Yeah, it's like, it's like what, what crystals do I need? You know? Oh my God. And I'm just I, leaning in. I think you said something though that I do want to like reiterate because I, I mean, everything you just said was so important to hear, but you said something that you, you are happy right now. Mm-hmm. And I think so often we feel like we need to be in relationships to be happy. And mm. I think one of the, one of the books that got me through my period, we actually had her as a guest on our show. It was from season six, episode 15, Meeting Your Half Orange. And it was an author, Amy Spencer. So I definitely recommend the book okay. because she like takes you through journaling exercises and it's like imagining like the life that you want to have. And it's so amazing. But her whole point was like, she was kind of like, don't just get out there and go date and do all this stuff. If the whole point to be in a relationship is to be happy, mm-hmm. just like beeline for the happy and like figure out what makes you happy. And that's right. usually mm-hmm. when you end up attracting people anyways. And yeah. the best relationships is when you're happy in your own skin and just yeah. doing life and being yourself. Mm-hmm. One thing that, that my takeaway, hopefully, if anyone's down to try it, I highly recommend. I've been doing it the last few days and it's kind of changing my life because I'm doing all the affirmations and doing, doing a lot of self-care. My skin's glowing way more than it has ever. <laughs> um, but I'm doing mirror work. And um, I've been on affirmations, mm. which is basically, you know, saying things like, I am whole, I am healthy, I'm abundant, I am worthy, you know, saying these things to like 
to transform the voice in your head, which is usually the worst voice ever. It's usually the For sure. critic mm-hmm. and so hard and very judgmental, which is definitely has been me. But doing mirror work is like looking at yourself deep in your own eyes, telling yourself like, Minji, I love you and you're beautiful mm. and I got your back and I'm not going to let you down. And, you know, no matter what happens to you, I'm always here. Saying that to my face, I broke down crying because I had never like said that. to. I was like the way I speak to somebody I love. Even you guys, like if you had a bad day, I could speak the best words of encouragement and I would mean it 110% because I would look at you and see the best version of both of you. Right and sing your praises and reassure you and comfort you to do that for myself. I, if anybody is willing to so even hard. try, it's really hard. But once you do it and get past the uncomfortable, like what the hell am I doing right now? <laughs> it, it really like, I, I'm feeling lighter. I'm feeling like I don't feel as lonely. That's a great tactic. I love that takeaway. Cause it's like the way the way you talk to yourself, like, would you ever talk to a friend that way? Like, mm-hmm. and it, and you're not the only person that struggles with that. I think a lot of people struggle with that myself right. included. And yeah, I think it's the, the mindset is everything we keep we always say that on this podcast. And the best way to change your mindset is to change that inner dialogue that's happening for you. Right. That's really great. One more sidebar is like when, cause I'm, I'm actually good with being alone. Like I actually genuinely enjoy my alone time a lot. Even though I have little moments of loneliness, it really just naturally raises standards. Because if like, mm. I would rather chill by myself reading For a book, sure. taking a walk, listening to like Ariana Grande and Lady Gaga, that's like more appealing than having a conversation with XYZ person, guy, friend, whoever. I'm fine. Like, I'll just like, you need to walk away. I'm like, you take care. Like, have a good life. I don't, I'm not. I always do the, I always do the um, sit in bed with my dog test. Like, would I rather, would I rather be with this person or sit in bed with my dog? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there have been a few times I've left a guy's house because I'm like, I'd rather sit at home with my dog. Thanks. <laughs> well, I remember like when I was going through my situation, like I never really spent time alone before that. And mm-hmm. I think that's like part of mm. what was so difficult for me is that I was like before when I, when I wasn't dating him, I was just like always going out. I was always with friends. Like I was just always with someone. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think I just because I was just so down and just depressed to be completely honest like I spent a lot more alone time and I started to like it wasn't just like alone depressed on the couch like I went and took like trips by myself like I went mm-hmm. like it wasn't big oh, trips you love it yeah but I would like go up to like Calistoga by myself to like the hot springs to treat myself and honestly like I would go to the hot springs with friends after and I'm like I prefer to go there myself <laughs> I, went with, I went with UA once remember and I was like you're not in the pool enough just kidding I did <laughs> enjoy your company but I did I did like going myself too and I think like finding that solstice in yourself and that honestly for me has made this quarantine a hell lot easier as someone that lives alone yeah and was I guess primarily single I was entertaining some stuff but I was primarily single in the time <laughs> but I think mm-hmm. it made it a lot easier to be on my own during this tough time because I had done it before right Oh, I love it. Good for you. And that's, that's, they say like, you know, I'd rather be lonely than be lonely in a relationship, right? I don't know if you you guys said that last week, because we had such a great talk. Same thing. And I, I genuinely appreciate all these learning lessons. It would be really, really nice to have somebody that I'm excited to meet with. And I feel like it'll be that much more easy to identify once it happens, you know, because Mm. 
And quite frankly, it's not even just being alone, but there's so many important things happening right now. I am very like involved in my community. I'm very involved in social justice stuff that I think, you know, we only, if anything that quarantine and COVID taught us is that life is not guaranteed and we don't know when we're going to come and go. And uh, time and health and all of it, our energy is very precious. So I would like to allocate that well, where I go to bed every night being like, I think I spent that day well. Mm. And I do, you know, as much as I love romance and it has been the drug of choice, (laughs) I also am choosing like, you know, there's other things that I really am passionate about contributing my time to. And if I'm sorry, just like to a guy, it's like either you augment my life and make it like you're a respite or an oasis or something that's like enjoyable and fulfilling or feeds my passions or something like it doesn't add to that. There's other things that like I can really contribute myself to that Mm. are just as fulfilling, you know. And I would love to have a wonderful, hot, <laughs> great partner, <laughs> all about it. But if it's not there, like, again, I don't want to settle. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to, like, go backwards. I, in that way, I'm, like, really looking forward to the future. And right now, is, it, it's, it's a really important time, I think, for us to prioritize. There's a lot calling for attention. Yes, absolutely. And prioritize how you treat yourself during this time, too. It's very, very important. Lovely. Very well said. And then she's got many more words of wisdom on her podcast. First of all, where can people find you? Uh, We can find, first of all, on all the podcast platforms on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Google and all that fun stuff. I put a lot of feelings out there on my Instagram. You can follow me at Minjeezy, M-I-N-J-E-E-Z-Y. I I don't do as much social on my uh, podcast social, but working on it. But yeah, I'm out there. I love I love talking with people, but I'm also having boundaries <laughs> <laughs> where I want to engage and where I just need a moment. So, you know, see what day you catch me on. And Minji, if, if someone's new to your podcast, what's a good episode for them to start on? Let's just say they're very curious about personal development during this time. One of my first episodes, actually, people refer, I, I don't know about you guys, but like my first chunk of episodes, I feel embarrassed because it was so clunky and I was like figuring out my voice and all this stuff. But there was one early on that people bring up to me that I was like, oh, it's called Sorry Not Sorry. It was me Mm. learning not to Mm. over apologize for everything, for literally existing and having a a declarative thought. That one's an interesting one that I guess other people have resonated with. So maybe that's a good one. Yeah, a lot of the recent ones have been about mental health, about therapy, of being really tough on yourself is something that I'm processing in real time on my podcast. So Fantastic. Lovely. Okay, we're going to wrap this up. Thank you so much, Minji, for continuing the discussion. You you all need to listen to our conversation on Minji's podcast, because then a lot of this also makes sense. It literally is like the sequel to <laughs> that episode, which is really, really nice. Uh, for all of our listeners, thank you for you know, helping us provide this open forum to talk about our journeys and hearing different perspectives. If you like our podcast, please leave us a review in Apple Podcasts. It's very helpful for us to source great guests such as Minji, because if she read the reviews and she's like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not into this podcast, she would have never come on. Or even a rating that literally takes two seconds. That would go a long, long way. That's or it. tell a friend. Yes, tell a friend or submit a story. You can go on datablepodcast.com or you can email us hello at datablepodcast.com. Okay, we're going to wrap this up. Stay, Stay datable. datable.
The Dateable Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Want to continue the conversation? First, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter with the handle at Dateable Podcast. Tag us in any post with the hashtag stay dateable and trust us, we look at all of those posts. Then head over to our website, datablepodcast.com. There you'll find all the episodes as well as articles, videos, and our coaching service with vetted industry experts. You can also find our premium Y series where we dissect, analyze, and offer solutions to some of the most common dating conundrums. We're also downloadable for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Overcast, Stitcher Radio, and other podcast platforms. Your feedback is valuable to us, so don't forget to leave us a review. And most importantly, remember to stay dateable. Mm-hmm.